Hello, my name is Arlene Howard from Collective Resource. You are listening to Q4 Radio Chicago, 1680 AM and at Q4.org. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. In just four years, the number of Americans who agree global warming is man-made has dropped to about half. We should get these books heavy. I agree. It's a message that is inspiring a new generation of skeptics. I would like to um, really listen to these uh, scientists who came and talked and have dedicated their lives to debunking um, this uh, fallacy, so to speak. Once upon a time, what these people call a fallacy had another name, the truth. You've heard of off the charts. Within less than 50 years, it'll be here. The so-called skeptics... In 2006, the film An Inconvenient Truth told a disturbing story and galvanized public awareness about the climate. And now to a new report on global warming from a prestigious panel of scientists convened by the UN. There's a new grim report out today from this the comprehensive report in 2007 took it to another level. Scientists from 30 nations concluded that global warming is unequivocal and that human activity is mostly the cause. It is the definitive report on global warming, and it's frightening. I call upon the Peace Prize laureate for 2007, Al Gore, to... The UN scientists and former Vice President Al Gore would share the Nobel Peace Prize. The cause had a consensus and a credible leader. The skeptics would take on both. I think Al Gore was probably the best thing that could happen to global warming skeptics. From my perspective, Al Gore was the perfect proponent and leader of the global warming alarmists because he's very politically divisive and controversial. I think it was his tone and manner. Uh, he, he did at a certain point come across as holier than thou. And that's another thing about Americans. They're not really big on holier than thou. <laughs> Live from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, just this side of the concrete encrusted banks of the north branch of the Chicago River, it's the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program, heard every Sunday on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will good planets are hard to find. It's a long way to Tipperary. That's why he's riding the Megabus. Here he is, Mike Nova. Check Mike one. Check Mike three. Here we go. One, One more freaking time. time. Okay. You know, I just learned that I probably shouldn't have taken a bite of cheese stick <laughs> Whoops. just before the show started. Hold on. You know, where's my coffee? Get so coffee. anyway, anyway. Well, and, and don't forget they're watching you now with your cheese stick and your coffee mm. on Facebook Live. We are live. Where's the? Have we got a ding here? Where's the? 
There we go. Give us a. That, that was a weak That ding. was sad. There we, it's still sad. <laughs> oh, did you break it or you fixed it? That's all we got. That's it, folks. Mm. Is the other one there? Yeah, there's another. There we go. Okay. Well, the dings are kind of tired this week, too. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, we're live on Facebook this morning, so if you want to see us in real time video, you can go to Facebook right now. We are streaming. How long do they let you stream? Probably until my phone runs out. Oh, let's, well, okay. Three, two, one. No. Uh, so uh, if, if you're interested, now the audio won't be the same. Right. And the video and, and has a lag, I'm noticing. The video has a lag, too? Yeah. Well, it's got to have some kind yeah. of lag. So, But at least the audio and the video match. So... Uh, so let's see. Um, let's see. Anything interesting happened this week? Um, are the Cubs still uh, world champions? Yes, they are. Although, when you consider that about five countries in the world play baseball, what does that actually mean? Not a whole lot. Uh, okay. And um, hmm, my team lost last night. Okay. My team won. Your team won. Go Cats. Um. My team will always find a way to lose a close game to an unranked rival. <laughs> um, that's that's the Michigan way. And uh, get themselves out of the playoff picture. And then they'll probably lose to Ohio State as well. So, And then that'll, that'll finish my season. Um, let's see. Anything else happened this week? Uh, I picked the rest of the tomatoes, unfortunately. Oh. Well, we got rid of ours last week, and we've been making green tomato, uh, a mix of sauces. Green tomato and red tomato and yellow tomato and just Kathleen's done some wonderful things. The 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 spaghetti sauces are or tomato sauce, tomato paste, whatever you want to call it. They're great. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with the green, it's it's really good stuff. So that's good. We still have kale and yeah. some collards and some cabbage. I, I got I oh okay. Maybe we can uh, show this to the people on Facebook. I might have you get up there because. Uh, I took a photo yesterday of the broccoli that is still uh, in my backyard. This wonderful head of broccoli just uh, came up. And uh, if I can find it here, no, there's Durs Anderson because we went out on a hike. Just kind of talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, really. No, it's fine. Here's my broccoli. This is my broccoli. This is my broccoli. I never travel without my broccoli. Wow. Let's see. You I'm gonna have to get up. Okay, the, let's give this. Don't 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 pull your head off with the. Uh, there's a uh, lag. Remember? Wow, we're gonna find out how long the lag is. Um, okay, there you are. Now you're getting up. Now you're getting up. Now you're moving to the camera. Okay, here we go. Any second. <laughs> Gotta love Facebook Live. Yep, you can kind of see the broccoli. All right, come on back. So, but it's a lovely head of broccoli. Oh yeah, I still have my bro. Well, my broccoli plants from the spring now have these little cute sprigs on them. Yeah. All coming back. Oh. And that amazing kale we got at the garden show this summer. Yeah. That is just flourishing. I'm gonna have to see if I can protect that for the winter. Oh yeah. Oh, that, that you know what? I, I barely. Yeah, I'm lucky because I planted that so late. It might actually survive now because it's been warm for so mm-hmm. long. Yeah, that's the other thing that's been going on this week. Weather. Uh, warm weather. Anything yes. else happened this week? I did okay. laundry. All right, let's talk about the show today. 
because it's uh, jam-packed and we need to get going because one of our guests is just sitting here very patiently, and I brought her a gift. And, we'll and she's got her no DAPL t-shirt on, too. Cool. All yes. right. You That's are right. an agitator, aren't you? <laughs> we have an artist and an agitator in the room. That's Mary Ellen Croteau. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay. Now, why is Mary Ellen, you need to be real close to the mic. Yeah. And All I'm, right. Is there this, we go. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm boosting it, too. Okay. No, okay. Now we're better. Um, Mary Ellen Croteau is um, – I, I, I found out about her because uh, a friend of mine who is also an artist, Sylvia Arnstein, uh, posted something of yours on mm-hmm. my Facebook page. Okay. And I looked at it and went, wow, that's cool. And I wrote to Mary Ellen, and she wrote back, and I realized that uh, she was doing some the kind of thing that I find fascinating, and it connects to this show. And we'll explain that in a second. Um, and, uh, and, and she also lives near me, or at least the studio is near me, so it was really easy to get to. That helps. Then at 9.35, the Food Tank people are back. The Food Tank Summit is this Wednesday. And speaking of Facebook Live... Uh, I will be, well, they will be broadcasting live on Facebook all morning with yours truly. Now, I'm the interviewer. I'm not going to be telling folks about local food. I'm going to be asking them about not just local food, but food systems and how Mm -hmm. we change them. And how things got changed by what happened on Tuesday. Nothing happened. Nothing happened on Tuesday. Believe me, it is a lot of nothing. Um... And uh, so today, uh, we're following up on our interviews that we started last week. And by the way, like I said, you can go to Food Tank uh, on the Facebook page. You can go to The Mike Novak Show, and uh, this will be on Wednesday. And you'll be able to hear me do interviews, like five, like 15 <laughs> five- to eight-minute interviews. And then they lay out a cot, and I collapse in it, and they they pour water on me, and then and, and my fingers will be tired of Facebooking by that That's time. That's right, and then I go to the afternoon sessions. Uh, today on the show, Danielle Nirenberg, who is the president and co-founder of Food Tank, will be on the show uh, at 9.30. Roger Thoreau is with her. He is with the uh, Global uh, Fellow for uh, Global Agriculture and Food Policy at the Chicago Council of Global Affairs. Uh, and we will talk about Food Tank. And then in the second hour, something that's related to Mary Ellen sitting opposite us right now. Kay McKean, one of my favorite people, and Earlene Howard, also one of my favorite people in the sustainability movement. Uh, Kay is the founder of SCARCE out in DuPage County, which stands for School and Community Assistance for Recycling and Composting Education. Nobody actually ever says that. They just call it SCARCE. Uh, And she's here in studio. And Earlene Howard, who's the founder and owner of Collective Resource, Inc., She's out of Evanston, and she goes around with five-gallon buckets and picks up your food scraps and then composts them. I mean, how cool is that? That and is just. She's usually got a smile on her face, too. Always got a smile. Yeah. If you go to my blog, I'm glad you brought that up. Go to MikeNovak.net and click on the blog. You will see a smile. You will see her sitting next. And the reason she's here is we ran, in her, ran into her at the Chicago Wilderness Congress, and she was the one who was collecting the food scraps from the food they were serving there because it was an all-day thing. Uh, and they had 
I'm using air quotes here, sustainable plates and forks and knives and stuff. And she explained to me that the forks and knives was all greenwashing. You can't actually compost them. And this was at a sustainability event. And I'm not busting Chicago wilderness. I'm just saying nobody gets it. Nobody. Not even the people in the, not the greenies, right. not the enviros. Right. They do not, and, 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 and Mary Ellen's nodding right now, and we're going to launch into that in a second, because people do not get it. They throw stuff away. They don't know where, where they're throwing it. They don't know what to recycle. They don't know what to compost. And it is a nightmare, almost as big a nightmare as Tuesday evening was. Uh, but it is a continuing nightmare that people don't know how to recycle and reuse properly. So, uh, and right after that, of course, Rick DeMaio, who I'm sure will be wearing a black armband. Uh, I actually, I'm going to get one. Let's start wearing it around. And maybe I can create a movement for that. Just wear a black armband for a while. Uh, and Rick DeMaio, weather at 1045. And he, and he sent me at the top of the show the thing you heard about the climate skeptics. It was a frontline. Um, a piece that was that came out very recently within the last couple of weeks um, and he's been showing it to his students to show them how you can buy skeptics you can buy skepticism of anything and in this case climate change and people will be dumb enough to to think that climate change does doesn't exist just as they're dumb enough to think that Donald Trump is a good thing for the country Okay, so that's the show today. Let's go to our artist and agitator. We need an agitator more than ever <laughs> right now. Uh, Mary Ellen Croteau. Hi. Hi. I have a gift for you. I'm going to reach back here and uh, show people on, on the live stream. Is it? Are we still living streaming? Still live. Oh, are you coming in for a close-up? All right. These are caps. These are caps. All kinds of plastic and also some metal caps in here. Um, I'll bet Thank you, you can. I bet you can use those, can't you? Oh, absolutely, I can. Yes, Oop, and if, what I can't what? use, I will re- recycle if it's recyclable. But the plastic, I all use because you create art with unused plastic. That's yes. one of the the, yes. the kinds of art. Non recyclable plastic. Non recyclable. How does how did that happen? Oh, I live in a neighborhood where there's just so much trash on the street. And What um, neighborhood is that? Hermosa, okay. west of Logan Square. Well, because and, uh, I live in a neighborhood where there's all kinds of trash on the street, too, uh, and yeah. that's Logan Square. Okay. Uh, in the southern part of Logan Square, yes, you know, right yes. along Armitage. There. Yes, yeah. well. Uh, and so it was just so many bags, and I started in, um, in um, like, 2003 just – Make, trying to figure out how to make art out of this trash. And I did a lot of investigation and found that, you know, people who bring their bags to the grocery store and put them in those um, containers and think that they have now just recycled the bags, no, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, well, what does happen then? Well, they get bailed and landfilled. That's just greenwashing. It's just a way for the bag manufacturers in the stores to make you think that it's okay to use those plastic bags. I mean, this is this has been a big deal in Chicago, yeah. Um, with uh, uh, the bring your own bag movement, um, and uh, Jordan Parker, who's the head of that, and folks want to, you know, and, and it leads to the cynicism that we mm-hmm. already have about recycling because even though we have this what, what they call single stream now, uh, a lot of people say 
Oh, that just goes in the landfill, doesn't it? Um, and they're cynical. Mm-hmm. And that's because we had blue bag for too many years in Chicago. And, mm-hmm. and now you've got to break through the cynicism. And I've said this a thousand times on this show, but it's still true. Mm-hmm. That's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, the city says you cannot put bags in those blue carts. You cannot put bags in them. Well, and they that's will not yeah, and that's new. And, and I understand that because I've been telling people that for years. <laughs> All right, the city knew that for years. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell anybody that you couldn't put plastic bags. And now, so they they went the you know the full Monty and said, well, you, we don't want you putting paper bags in there either, or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, and then if you put recyclables in paper bags, you're you're going to be in trouble. And and all they've done is confuse people once again. That's right. That's right. They really do a good job at that. I'm the city you. of Chicago should be horse whipped. Okay. Yeah. Well, this the whole city. Let's get the city out. We would need a really big horse whip to whip the whole city of Chicago. Well, they, got, them all up. Yeah. Yeah. they got the bag ban in, you know, uh, like grocery stores aren't supposed to be giving out those single use, those thin bags. So they just use thicker bags and people still just take the bags and throw them away. So yeah, now yeah. we've got twice the amount of plastic going into the trash. Isn't it They're something? not using their own. They're no. not reusing those. So you found all these plastic bags flying around mm-hmm. in bottle caps that uh, plastic caps that are mm-hmm. they're not, also not recycled not, yet. not being recycled and you can recycle some things caps are difficult because they're all different weights and yes. sizes and different it kinds of plastics exactly. what what have you learned about that in, in terms of recycling plastic well, caps well um in, in in Europe a lot of places in Europe they only use the pet the number two on the caps so that they can be recycled with the bottle. But in in the States, we're still, you know, anyone can put anything on there. But most of our recycling now gets shipped off to China. And when it goes to China in those containers, you're supposed to leave the cap on the bottle because then they get chipped up together. And when they're chipped up together, they put them in a chemical bath that floats them, floats the different types of plastic at different levels so they can skim it off. But they, you have to leave the cap on the bottle because otherwise it will go to the bottom and then it will just clog things up and it won't get recovered. So. <sighs> But you don't want to leave the other types of caps on the bottle. No, no, nope. Not metal like caps like on. not like uh, the metal caps right. and jars. You can actually recycle that metal. But I was reading this morning that even some of those, if they're too small, can slip through and or yes. fly out of the machinery and injure workers and things yes, like that. Yes. So we're really good at creating stuff that we have no idea what to do with. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But if they just keep telling us that they're doing something, then we will feel not feel guilty about using it up. But, the, you know, I work with recyclers, so I'm going to I'm going to see a bunch of them this Friday mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and ask some of these questions about, mm-hmm. you know, the recycling of bottle caps and yeah. metal caps and everything else that goes on. But meanwhile, you had to find something, a way to channel this and a way to reuse these things and you chose art yes well i'm an artist so so that's one that's one reason huh (laughs) that'll do it every time you're crazy artists you're all nuts But and I'm also, an agitator. <laughs> and an agitator. My, my, my work is, has always been political, so um, um, it was just a way yeah, to Yeah, but you got – that's true because one of the things – I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but you've got uh, lately like melting glaciers. You're doing art about <laughs> melting glaciers, and it's all with bottle caps. Yes, plastic. Plastic bottle, bottle caps. caps. And I've got – go to my <laughs> website, mikenovak.net. Go to the blog, and you will see uh, a photo that I took of Mary Ellen – in front of one of those pieces of art, and you can see the bottle cap. I, I should have done, and I, and I was moving too fast yesterday. I did a 
a close-up. And and a close-up of it is really cool. I mean, because when you step back, you get the picture. But when you get close-up, you see the individual caps. The and caps. sometimes they have printing on them and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of... Uh, uh, and in- all of that gets integrated into the image. Even the print on them, the colors of the print, the the density of it, et cetera, all, all gets incorporated into the image. It's They're very cool. And you do portraits. You've done a self-portrait. You've yeah. done your son. Mm-hmm. You've done... You do eyes. Mm-hmm. Eyes. You've got... Uh, it's it's an eye. It's a it's not just an eyeball. It's an eye with the lid and the but it's an eye. Yeah. Like the eye in the sky looking at you. I can read your mind. All right. Thank you. Oh dear. Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Uh, and um, uh, they're in various places right now. You've got some of your art. If people want to see this, first of all, you can go to her website, uh, which is www.maryellencroteau.com. And you spell Croteau, C-R-O-T-E-A-U. Yes. Mary Ellen Croteau. Uh, And you can see it. Or if you want to see it in person, because it's much more striking in person, um, you've got stuff going on. You just had a show open at the Water Street Studios in Batavia. In Batavia for the Western Suburbs. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, why not? The Western Suburbs deserve love, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, and it's a show called Dystopian Creations. Yes. I don't know if it's dystopian, but I guess it is in a sense. <laughs> you know, you've taken dystopia, though, and you've distilled it, and you've actually redeemed it in some way. Uh-huh. Well, this new series is uh, uh, a lot of uh, national disasters or international disasters. So I um, just started a work on, a, like, a wildfire that was in um, really? Alberta, Canada. So you're going to use the red caps. I, got the a, red I gave you a lot of red ones yes. there. So there's a yes. lot of red. Because yeah. most of the... Ones I saw were either blue, white, black. That's because I was working on the glacier, uh-huh. uh, the melting glacier in Greenland. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of blue and white in that. And then my son was a black and white portrait. And mm-hmm. so now I'm moving on to some more color, some red and <laughs> red and, and black. This uh, forest fire that took out a whole town up in the tar sands area of Alberta. Uh-huh. That was uh, uh, last May. God was punishing those people for tar sands. You realize that? <laughs> I mean, it came in really quick. They all lost it. So, like, this is what happens in global <sighs> crisis, you know. Yeah. So I thought that I needed to make these bottle caps. You know, people like the eyes. They like the, the the portraits. You know, but I thought I was getting away from what I wanted to say with it. It's like, look at the plastic. You know, look at how much there is, and look at what it does well, to the well, environment. Well, that is a that is a problem. It's a dilemma. Mm-hmm. Because you're trying to create some art, you're trying mm-hmm. to create art, and if you do it successfully, they're not going to think about the medium; they're going to appreciate the art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're also trying to get them to think about the waste yes. we produce. Absolutely. So you can actually defeat yourself if you're too good an artist. <laughs> it, it seems to me. Yeah, it's always been a struggle. Even when I was working on a lot of uh, radical feminist issues in the '90s, it's it's always a problem to try to make sure that what you're doing actually gets the point across. You know? uh-huh. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the process uh, because uh, I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know if it's on your website or in the book. You gave me a book about your art, mm-hmm. and um, you say someplace that it's not as easy as it seems. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
I didn't think this was easy. <laughs> Not for a second. I come on. Are you kidding me? Create a picture with bottle caps? Yeah. I you mean, wouldn't you would be surprised how many school teachers, grade school teachers contact me and say, "Oh, we're so impressed. We just want to do this with the students and we're collecting caps and can we just um put these down with Elmer's glue?" <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, well, what do you not? suggest? I said, I use these glue sticks. This is what I've worked out. It's special, you know, industrial strength glue Yikes. sticks. Well, we can't use those because the kids can't use the hot glue guns. Well, then good luck. I don't know what to tell you. I, you know? Here's what I would tell them. Collect the bottle caps. Get the kids to collect the bottle caps and figure out a way to get them recycled properly. All right? <laughs> yeah. That's it. End of yeah. story. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Or... Explain to the kids, okay, collect these bottle caps. Let's look at them. Oh, guess what? There's nothing we can do with them. Oh, <laughs> there you go. That's, that's a good sad. one. <laughs> Let's all have a sad in class today, yeah. and then we're going to throw these in the landfill uh-huh. at the end of the day. Yeah, that would be a great school trip. Take them to the landfill. There you go. And, and <laughs> See Yikes. where it, see where it ends up. Uh, oh boy, we're really cynical here this morning. <laughs> yes. Well, can you blame us? All right, it's been a rough week. Uh, so you collect bottle caps. How do you how do you get all your caps, and how do you get the right colors? Well, just like you did today, people now know what I'm doing, so they bring me bags of caps. I just got a whole huge collection this weekend. Um, people brought them to my exhibition open opening last night, and so I'm um, really so that does yeah. that happen now at your exhibitions? People arrive with yeah, plastic yeah. Ba- or bags full doing, of yeah. plastic caps. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! They know what Back I'm doing. Back up the semi. <laughs> So then I have to uh, clean, sort, clean, and sanitize everyone because you don't And how do you do that? Well, um, I used to do it by hand, and that was a real pain in the neck. So now I um, have mesh bags that I put them in the, my uh, a washing machine, and, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I wash them with, uh, with um, Lysol. And <laughs> washing machine, Lysol. Yes. And yes. Uh, did they make a lot of noise in there? Um, I, it's downstairs. I don't pay attention. <laughs> Throw a couple of towels in there with it and you'll be fine. Yikes. Okay, and then you get them out of there. And then I get them out and I hang the bags up on the line and I let them dry. And then I then I have to sort them um, into colors and sizes. And... and do you ever get frustrated because you're looking for the perfect color and you can't find it? And you really need that color at this point? <laughs> Well, it is frustrating, but mostly I have to create that color by blending caps together. I use, I, I nest different colors together, and so um, I can so create you, them. Yeah, so you're not literally meshing the color, but you're doing a trick, yes, kind of. The, yes. the eye will see the two caps, like yes. w- like a smaller one inside a larger one, and, right. and will blend the colors Right, just for like Impressionism. You. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So... It's, but it, it takes work. It could take 20 minutes just for one little round of caps to see how that works and if, it's, if it works. And then I stick them down with like a blue sticky tack until I build an area. And then uh-huh. I have to keep walking back and back and back. Well, you have to because the only way that the art works is for you to step back from it. Mm-hmm. If you get up close, it looks like bottle caps. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you, then you step back. And, it, you know, like you said, an impressionist painting. Yeah. Uh, if you go to Sunday in the Park with George and get really close... And uh, that's right. You uh, lose yourself in the dots. You're not going to see any. You're going to see dots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. Um, And the other thing that you do that's really fascinating is that these, not all your pieces are on one board. You you attach them 
you're it's tricky because you've got to so i was watching you uh, ship get, getting ready to ship them and they're small sizes that you you screw together uh, for the installation yes yes i they're they're two foot by four foot uh, pieces of masonite pegboard mm -hmm. and um they get screwed down to a larger frame wooden frame which i build that supports them all and so um it can be broken down to move because otherwise you know an eight by seven foot piece of art house somebody could get it in and out you know yeah well that's always an issue with art especially large mm -hmm. art how do you move it how do you get it in i don't and know out? why i waited till my 60s to start doing art this large i mean when i was younger i was smarter and doing things that could fold up into small boxes <laughs> i don't know maybe you have a grander vision of the world right now yeah you know, I, I don't know by the way the caps take up that much room that's the problem well that's the other thing you have these uh, bins Plastic bins, I might add. Ah, give us a ding for a plastic bin. There we go. Uh, but you have to. I mean, it makes sense because you have to store the caps in the various colors. So she's got all these, you know, the bins you put your sweaters in, the, the huge ones. It's like the, the way they break up the Legos, too. Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. the color bins. Right. Right, exactly. And um, But I did, I did um, re re reuse some of those bins that, had, uh, that I collected from other people that mm -hmm. had these bins. So a lot of those bins I didn't even buy. They're just bins that I've recycled. Repurposed and 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 I'm so glad you said that. I just saw a tweet uh, from Fairware, F-A-E-R-W-E-A-R, -E added you to their list, repurpose. Okay. All right, and this is what we're talking <laughs> about, re right. repurposing. Yes. yes. All right. So you've got uh, – uh, let's mention uh, before you go all the places. So if people can go to Water Street Studio in Batavia. You can go to Zia Gallery in Winnetka and see an eye. Yes, is this? yes. <laughs> and Ian Sherwin Gallery in Chicago. What's Chicago. that, Ian Sherwin? Yes, I-A-N Sherwin. Um, oh. He's on, uh, on Ashland Avenue just south of um, uh, Irving Park. And what's there? Um, I have a couple, several eyes and uh, some column, endless columns, which are columns of strong um, lids and caps that just go floor to ceiling, mm -hmm. very colorful. All plastic? All plastic caps. Yeah, people like them. <laughs> yeah, they are. And they're they, different sizes. Yeah, they hang in corners and they kind of undulate with um, the different sizes nest on one another. And Yeah, I, I saw those because you had a couple hanging there mm -hmm. at your studio as well. Yeah. I think there's a couple on your website if people yes, want to take yeah, a look yeah. in your gallery. They've been in the Garfield Park Conservatory. They've been on Michigan Avenue in the Columbia College bookstore window. So you can see that all on my website. Uh, so what's next? What's I mean, next? Are you still, I mean, you're still doing this. You're going to do the forest fire. Yeah. Uh, I want to do a flooded uh, flooded suburb that where the water's up to the roofs. <laughs> I mean, do you, have, is, do you have a photo of that? or I do, yeah. I work from photos that I kind of crib off the internet. They're usually common source. And so I, uh, there's a wow. Lake Erie, Lake Erie with their algae bloom. That's that would, all that would be greens. beautiful. It yeah. actually is kind of all swirly. It's greens. oddly, oddly terrifying <laughs> and beautiful. I'm thinking of that photo taken a few years back off Milwaukee where they had the, um, the sewage release into Lake Michigan with the sailboat going through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Oh. There's only so much you can do with bottle caps because you, the detail is you, you have to be careful of what, what kind of uh, detail you're trying to do because well, some, what, you what, have to what, simplify. Simplify. Yeah, I guess you do because you can't, like, you can't do thin lines. No. Right. Well, sometimes uh, the caps from uh, ballpoint pens and stuff mm -hmm. I, I, I use oh, for line. But. There you go. See, there's so <laughs> So much plastic out there. 
Yeah. Uh, a lot of medical plastic, too. My husband works in a hospital, boy. Tons oh of medical goodness. plastic. Well, uh, and, and I gave you a bag of stuff here, yes. and there's some plastic caps in there, but there's some metal caps. What are you going to do with the metal caps? I will recycle them. Okay, yes. because you can. Because they metal can be recycled, so yes, yes. Recycle mm-hmm. your metal. <laughs> yeah, and 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 some. It, it, I was uh, I was doing a little research on this, and uh, in it depends on your city. It depends on the municipality. Mm-hmm. But often, a really good way to recycle metal caps is to put them in a container, a metal container, and then crimp and then it. Crush it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that yeah. they they can't get loose and fly around, and then all of it gets. Melted right. down, I guess. Is well, I would works. just like to say that I went to Switzerland on a, on a residency and studied their re, uh, recycling system, which is brilliant. Um, they actually, everybody, everybody separates sorts. Everybody composts. Uh, they have to pay like a $5 for a small plastic bag if they're going to put any garbage in it. And that's what they collect on the street. So people try to avoid that. They recycle everything. There are recycling bins every couple blocks, you know, huge containers. And um, the trash that does not get uh, recycled then gets um, burned in their a system that actually is at such a high temperature that it burns off the fumes so that it doesn't pollute, and they create electricity with the, what they're burning. Hmm. And they have so little garbage that they're producing in, in Switzerland that they have to buy garbage from Italy in order to produce the electricity. Yeah, but you're in Switzerland. You could throw it in the <coughs> mountain valleys. Nobody would ever see it. You know, mm-hmm. you could just toss all that stuff They love down. their land. They love their land. What's they wrong with them? never, what ever, kind of people ever pollute it. You know what? Donald Trump will fix that. We'll fix that for him. <laughs> Just wait. The Grand Canyon. What a perfect hole oh, in the ground. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Back up the dump trucks. All oh, that nuclear beep, waste. Beep, 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 beep. That's Just what go all over with the helicopter. That's what you'll be hearing. Yeah. And they could all the plastic sell, bags could go they there. They could also <laughs> sell like tours on the on yeah. and the helicopters while they're dumping. Yeah, well, no, but we gotta get the Colorado River out of there first. Then we'll just okay. dump it all. Oh, yeah, yeah, because well they'll use it all up yeah. before it gets yeah. there. <laughs> On well, that note, Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen Croteau, go to Mary Ellen Croteau, C-R-O-T-E-A-U dot net, and you can see her work, or you can go to one of the galleries we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on Facebook, so you can Yeah, she's on Facebook. Uh, she's all over the place. She's <laughs> And now, you know, since you've been on the show, you're going to be kind of a national figure. You're going to have to get used to the publicity and the people stalking you actually i'm already a national figure (laughs) my my daughter's friend's brother put my self-portrait up as soon as i made Uh it on on that's colossal and it just like i had no no idea the next morning i was like oh my god i've got like 50 emails from around the world where did this come well it's a brilliant self-portrait it really is and when you stand next to it it's even better it's it's (laughs) such a wonderful photograph it's nice Uh, to see yourself eight foot tall (laughs) well it depends who you are your face eight foot tall yeah but but it's hard to get jeans that fit when you're eight feet tall (laughs) (laughs) all right all right well (laughs) thank you so much for coming into the studio it's uh and uh i'm i'm yes wave to the uh wave to the the, uh, live 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 on facebook facebook uh, facebook all right it's the mike novak show on q4 radio uh, Q, uh, 1680 AM, Q4.org. W- uh, and, oh, we need a ding for this because we have a brand new sponsor on the show. Thank you very much. Ding, ding. What if I told you that you could grow practically anything indoors with a revolutionary grow light? 
that is available for a revolutionary price. Welcome to Happy Leaf LED. Now, you might remember they were on the show a while back. We loved the product so much we said, hey, we, we want to get the word out about... They need I, to be on this show. Yes, you need to be on this show, and, and I need to have the product, and Peggy needs to have it, and folks listening need to have it. It's a commercial-quality LED grow light that's designed for you and me, lightweight, uncomplicated, no fans, no motors, just plug it in. And it's long-lasting with a 50,000-hour minimum lifespan. Did you hear that? 50,000-hour minimum lifespan. Sure, you can use it for seed starting. It seems like uh, over it's uh, underutilizing it if you do that. Uh, it's a powerhouse producing three flats of seeds with one light, but why stop there? This all-purpose LED with precisely tuned red and blue spectrums allows the full range of plant growth. The Direct Gardening Association has already given Happy Leaf LED their 2017 Green Thumb Award. And it's made in the U.S. of A. I've seen it work. I have a couple myself. This would make a great holiday gift for the gardener in your life or for yourself. Go to happyleafled.com for complete kits that will get you up and growing in a matter of minutes. In three to four weeks, you'll be harvesting greens. Happyleafled.com. It's about the light. Did you know that Genesis is the Midwest's largest source of airbrush supplies? Find out more at chicagoairbrushsupply.com or artsupply.com or stop into their showroom at 2525 North Elston and say you heard about them on Q4 Radio or the Mike Novak Show and get an extra 10% off their already discounted prices. Genesis, Chicago's only privately owned art supplier, serving all of Chicago's artistic framing and drafting needs since 1946. Last week, I subjected my listeners to a bizarre Xmas carol from my column in the latest issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. This week, I received a call from the FCC. Oh, the, no. Oh, yes. They didn't exactly tell me to back off, but I got the message. So this week, I'm going to tell you to pick up a copy of the November-December issue of Chicagoland Gardening, and I'm not even going to mention my column. Well, I guess I just did. But I will tell you that even as we careen towards winter, there's a lot you can learn about gardening in this issue, like how to use leaves to feed and protect your garden beds, uh, how to plant bulbs in a pot and actually not have them melt, and, and uh, they'll provide you with beauty in the spring, and even how to grow figs. Figs? As in figgy pudding. Fig Newtons? Figgy Pudding, in Chicago, no less. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state -state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com, but if you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. This is Suzanne Malik mckenna for Chicago Wilderness. When you think of our region, wilderness may not be the first thing that comes to mind. Did you know this area is home to more than half a million acres of protected nature with thousands of plants and animal species? Our local native wildlife need your help. Now is the time. 12 Animals in 12 Weeks is a campaign to get support for these critical species and their habitats. Sponsor one today. Meet the species at chicagowilderness.org slash species. Want to make a positive move in the housing market? Rep 
replace your siding and windows. You'll improve your home's look and energy efficiency, too. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for your remodeling and energy needs. Siding, windows, solar and wind power, and more. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in the Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to live healthier lives. A Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings, it's the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complimentary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even healthy pets. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to help keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Chicago and suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us online at nachicagonorth.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. I thought it was kind of appropriate for the week <laughs> yes. to play that song. I think uh, we've got Roger on the phone. Roger, are you with me? I am indeed. How are you? Good. It's good to talk to you. Uh, that's uh, Roger Thoreau, who is a senior fellow for Global Agriculture and Food Policy at the Chicago Council of Global Affairs in Washington, D.C. And da- Danielle's here as well. Hi, hi Danny. Hi. Uh, hey, Roger. Uh, do, okay, now, that's the first question. Roger brought up the first question because I found out last week that everybody calls you Danny. Do I get to call you Danny, too? Of course you do. <laughs> okay. Danny, of course, Dan, uh, Daniel Nuremberg is the president and co-founder of Food Tank, and they are having their big 26th summit this Wednesday here in Chicago at the Gleacher Center. Um. And I and I would be remiss, Danny, if I didn't start by saying or asking the question. Last week we did uh, an interview with Lisa Moon and Shana Harris, a couple of the participants in in the conference, and the world was a different place. And uh-huh. and here we are, <laughs> uh, and here yeah, here we are a week later. Everything has changed. You must be doing some tap dancing right now or looking at uh, the presentations that are going to happen all day long at the Gleacher Center with a lot of fancy people from all over the globe talking about food policy 
and wondering what's going to happen in Washington. How does this change the game for Food Tank this Wednesday? Listen, I, I don't know how much it changes our, our game plan. I, I think we had a, a tough fight ahead of us, uh, you know, for the next four years in food policy and agriculture anyway. Uh, I think, you know, the uh, what, what you know, I'm hesitant to uh, sort of predict is what will we lose that has happened over the last eight years, you know, with the Obama administration, the inroads that Michelle Obama made with, with both healthy eating, the Let's Move campaign, the White House Garden. Um, but I think, you know, we, we were going to be set for some um, probably contentiousness in, in Congress anyway, getting the next farm bill passed and, and some other legislation. So I'm not sure how much it changes things. It's, it's certainly uh, something that I don't think any of us predicted. But I do want to look at, you know, not just our summit next week as an opportunity, but really the next four years as an opportunity to really make a difference and, and, and move the food movement really forward in thinking about food policy and, and agriculture in very different ways because uh, think, things are going to be a little bit different for us all. But, again, I, that might be a positive thing. I, I hope it is. Uh, I think we were all surprised. But I'm really looking, you know, trying to look ahead and be positive about the next four years. Uh, Roger, let's go to you for a second. And, and uh, you can tell people uh, what you're responsible for at the Global Food and Agriculture or uh, as a senior fellow of Global Food and Agriculture at the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. What does that mean? Yeah, basically, I'm I'm uh, out there um, raising the clamor, both in speaking and my writing um, about uh, uh, food issues, food food policy issues, global food security. Um, you know, my jur- my my journalistic mantra uh, over the years, both when I was at the Wall Street Journal for so long, uh, and now in in writing books and these nonfiction narrative books on 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 food security, kind of my. Uh, with the Chicago Council, that my my journalistic mantra is to outrage and inspire. I mean, to outrage people, you know, about uh, hunger and malnutrition, uh, the global food security issues uh, that we brought with us uh, uh, shamefully into the 21st century. Uh, that's kind of the outrage part, but then the inspire part is, you know, the opportunities that we have uh, to really... Uh, uh, advance uh, the fight against uh, malnutrition and hunger and, and, and childhood stunting. Uh, and the inspire part, a lot of what, um, you know, Danny and, and a lot of the people on the front lines of this uh, uh, domestic and global food movement uh, are doing. And in terms of kind of the events of the past week and the election results, I think it makes our work that much more urgent and demanding uh, and our clamor and raising and, and, and advocacy and work on the ground, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking that sometimes, you know, our, our work then, you know, this, this, this urgency uh, then can propel us to, um, uh, you know, greater achievements or an acceleration uh, that we kind of may have taken, taken for granted or, you know, thought that uh, uh, things were going more in, in a direction uh, that we'd like. This, this, you know, I think the, the urgency and the uh, the acceleration and, and kind of renewed commitment from all of us, um, you know, might uh, uh, have some salutary effects as time goes on. Well, the title of the summit is Chicago, We Can Change the Food System, uh, which uh, seems to indicate that it's a system in need of changing, uh, Danielle. And I imagine that's that's partly... Uh, why you started Food Tank, uh, and it wasn't that many uh, years ago, was it? 
No, we started in 2013, and, and we started for many of the same reasons I think Roger is involved in this work, to really inspire and, you know, uh, folks about what's happening on the ground. We wanted to really highlight stories of hope and success in the food system, often from parts of the world that you don't think have many success stories, include, including sub-Saharan Africa. And so I think, you know, the idea that we still, you know, have more than 800 million people around the globe who are hungry and around 2 billion people who are overweight or obese, these are problems that we need to change along with all the environmental impacts of, of food production that, that remain problems throughout the world. So that urgency that Roger spoke of is, is so uh, important to all of us right now. Well, let's uh, let's walk, folks, uh, a little bit. By the way, folks, you know, you should know that this is sold out, the uh, which is great for you guys. Um, the uh, the food tank summit is sold out. However, there are still tickets left for the reception uh, that uh, Barilla USA is hosting at Italy, which is forty three East Ohio Street in Chicago. And if you go to my website, that you can click on a link and and get it ticket there uh, and uh, mingle with some of the folks uh, who are going to be trying to change the food system in the United States, in the world, working together uh, and, and pulling, pooling their resources. Um, and why don't you walk us through the, the conference a little bit, uh, Danny, and, and, and tell us what you had in mind when you set up these various panels. Well, you know, just sort of overall, we're hoping to bring different voices together. I mean, part of our mission is really to, to have some uncomfortable conversations and, and really force people out of their different silos in the food movement and, and bring those different voices together. I, I understand that we'll not always agree with uh, some of the size of the food system, but we do need to listen to one another. So, you know, we brought together a lot of different folks. You know, our opening keynote of the day will be uh, Kevin Cleary, who's the CEO of Cliff Bar and Company, that's the nutrition bar company that uses uh, almost entirely organic ingredients and, and tries to uh, source things uh, through fair trade systems. Our opening keynote, which will be moderate, or I'm sorry, our opening panel, which will be moderated by Roger, is really the, the around the theme of farming the future and what will the, the future of, of uh, farming in the Midwest and around the world look like. And so we have some exciting farmers on that panel, including one of my favorite farmers, Ben Burkett, who's the president of the National Family Farm Coalition. Uh, he is a farmer in the South and has done a lot to bring African-American farmers uh, uh, together to organize for, for better uh, wages and, and for better um, prices for their crops. And then, you know, the, this idea of uncomfortable conversations continues with a, a panel around unlikely alliances in the food system. And that will be keynoted by the CEO of Cargill, David McLennan. And so we're really excited about bringing, you know, some of his insight into this conversation. I think, um, you know, there's a tendency on, on some of us for some of us working for food advocacy to demonize corporations. And I think having his perspective will be really valuable, along with a lot of the other speakers. Um, the uh, chef, uh, Chicago-based chef Rick Bayless, will be keynoting our lunch. And then uh, the day continues with a, a panel around transparency in the food system and how we should be really, uh, you know, not just know who is producing our food, but how it was produced, what were um, some of the environmental, social, and economic impacts of food production. So really bringing together um, some great speakers who will talk about everything from uh, land grabs to animal welfare. Um, 
And then our final panel of the day is, is bringing together uh, different entrepreneurs and, and food system uh, experts to talk about the, the future of food and, and really food business and where that's going. So I, I think it'll be an exciting day. Uh, you know, we encourage everyone to listen to our live stream, uh, which will be available at foodtank.com and to interact with us on Twitter and Facebook and really engage in the conversation from wherever they are. And, of course, you'll be having the backstage uh, interviews, which I will be handling in the morning. Um, and are uh, thrilled. Thank you. Uh, they'll be streaming live. Yes, Peggy. So, Danny, what do you think might be some of the real surprises and eye-openers for people who are attending and watching? What might be things they're not expecting to be hearing? Well, I'm going to go back to that corporate side again. I think uh, Cargill has has made some, you know, unusual partnerships with some environmental groups like WWF and others. And I think this is an audience that, you know, might look at, at a corporation like Cargill or even some of the, you know, groups like uh, Cliff Bar or businesses like Cliff Bar and not understand their role in really working towards a more sustainable food system. So I, I expect some controversy. Uh, I would be surprised if there wasn't any. But I, I think, uh, again, those conversations are really important. Uh, that you really do bring up uh, a very good point there because uh, some of the issues you talk about do seem to be in conflict with each other. When you think of large corporations, for example, and maybe I'll throw this to, uh, to Roger here, uh, you don't think of transparency. Um, uh, Danny also mentioned uh, the, the dichotomy of, of obese people in the world versus the malnourished people in the world and uh and you know looking at the lineup that you have there there are the organic folks there who say that the only uh, way to save the planet and feed everybody is to uh reduce our use of chemicals and then there are the ones who say no we've we've got this down to a science this is the way we do things now uh you can't feed the world unless you do it on a big scale uh how do you reconcile those things roger you know, I think it's it's, and I, I've seen this kind of in all my my travels uh, around the world. Again, both when I was a foreign correspondent for two decades with the Wall Street Journal, and now writing these books and the traveling with the with the Chicago Council, is that you know, and I, I've really become convinced that we need basically all aspects of agriculture. We're all together on this global food chain, and so kind of to have dogmatic positions that well, this sector is, is, is bad and we can't have this or this kind of in, in, in innovation, uh, that's the greatest thing and we need to do that kind of to the, to the exclusion of all others. I don't think that's very uh, 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 helpful. And so as Danny says, I mean, to kind of consider all points of view and, and uh, uh, attitudes uh, towards this that, you know, uh, kind of, um, you know, and, and, and to consider... Uh, the role and the the the, the helpfulness and the, the kind of the, the productivity uh, that can be uh, uh, contributed by everybody along the along the food chain who's contributing to this. And the other thing, I think it's really good that Danny had mentioned that Mike, that you had had, had repeated it. You know, the 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 amount of of, of malnutrition uh, in the world, whether it be kind of micronutrient deficiency, uh, uh, abject chronic hunger or the overweight and obesity, it's more than half the people on our planet are malnourished in some sense. And I think one of the, one of the, 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 the great things that we're seeing is now kind of the emergence of the importance of the, the nutrition, uh, as opposed to kind of for so long in agriculture and food, focusing on, on, on production 
and 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 calories uh, and energy that comes from the food and kind of neglecting for so long the central uh, role and I think purpose of of of, of food and and uh, uh, agriculture is nutrition the provision of of more nutritious foods and I think kind of all the the ideas and and innovations uh, technology that's kind of being oriented towards that I think is something that's really uh, it's it's exciting. There's new horizons and frontiers that are opening on this. And it's also, uh, you know, just so so central uh, to the to the health not only of of, of the individuals and, and kind of all of us uh, on the planet, but then through that and the, the the healthy growth and development of our of our children, uh, that then also helps the creation of healthy, uh, prosperous, stable societies, communities, you know, nations, and and the world as a whole. And they're going to duke it out at uh, on Wednesday. At the Gleacher Center uh, in uh, Chicago, uh, I, I need to mention here, uh, once again, We Can Change the Food System is the uh, title of the summit. Um, the major partners for the show are the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Um, thank you so much for that. Uh, and the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, Orga- Organic Valley, is the uh, sponsor uh, of the Facebook live stream uh, that uh, Danny mentioned uh, a little earlier, um, and uh, Barilla USA, as I mentioned, is hosting the reception and dinner, uh, which which happens. Like dinner, like I said, the only thing you can get tickets for right now is the reception. Even the dinner is sold out. And I want to mention that you know, as I said before, I'll be doing backstage interviews all morning on Wednesday. Uh, Alia Dalala is going to be doing them in the afternoon. Uh, we'll we'll split the duties because uh, if either one of us tried to do eight hours of this, uh, we would collapse in a heap. <laughs> uh, but uh, so you can get more information at foodtank.com uh, if you want to find out about this. Uh, and and really, if you want to see some of these folks talk about the issues that matter uh, in terms of food, uh, players, as uh, Danny mentioned, uh, of great diversity. Uh, and and I'm I'm kind of curious myself to see how all of that will play out. You can watch the live stream of these events at uh, foodtank.com. And I, I put a link up on Twitter for how to sign up for the live stream. Yeah. So, well, uh, uh, Danny Nirenberg, thank you so much. Uh, Roger Throw, I guess I'll see you both uh, on Wednesday. Yes. Uh, and Thanks, Mike. Our pleasure. Thanks, you, Peggy. Thank you. And you guys have a great Sunday, okay? You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. You too. Bye. Bye. It's the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio, 1680 AM, Q4.org. When we come back, second hour, two lovely, lovely women. I I, I just uh, think the world of uh, Erlene Howard and Kay McKean, and uh, they will be with us, and I hope you stick around for that. Don't you guide my slave If you've followed me over the years, you know that my background is not horticulture or environmental science or even political theory. It's showbiz. And at this time of year, I go back to my showbiz roots to promote my caroling group, the Frozen Robins. Here's a sample of our work. Sing, sing. 
songs of the cheer. Christmas is here. Santa's on his way. Wop, 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 wop. Silver and gold, silver and gold. With the coin top pipe and a button nose. Hey, you better watch out. You better not cry. Ba, 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 ba. So if you're looking for a bunch of entertainment pros to add some fun to your holiday event, write to me, Mike at MikeNovak.net about the Frozen Robins. Or contact me on any of my social media outlets. We'd love to be the hit of your season. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program. Broadcasting live every Sunday from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, on Q4 Radio, and at MikeNovak.net. Here he is again, Mike Novak. Yeah. This is a, this is in honor of our, the president-elect. Talk about a bad romance, that man in our country. That's a bad romance. And incidentally, we are live streaming again. So. We're live streaming again on Facebook. Cool. Um, and uh, we've even got some comments there. Susan Dodd Calhoun. Hey, Susan, how are you? She gets a ding. She, she wrote uh, "Ban the Bags." Yep, we were talking earlier about uh, plastic. Bags and bottle caps. I don't know if you heard any of that conversation. It was uh, pretty interesting. Um, Veronica Hinkey from Medewa National Tallgrass Prairie. Looks and sounds great, she says. I'm glad you're watching. Hey, Veronica. I don't know if she's watching now. She was before. You have to lean into the shot, Peggy, if you want to be in there. So, so. <laughs> Wait a second. That, uh, oh, you just got into it. Now you're in it. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that, that lag. It's like a 30-second yeah, lag. It's so, weird. Yeah, it is kind of strange. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. In the studio, I have Erlene Howard. I could say her name right. Erlene Howard, Howard from Collective Resource, Inc. And Kay McKean from Scarce. 
which actually, and I said it earlier, School and Community Assistance for Recycling and Composting Education. You came up with that name, and then you thought, nobody's going to ever remember that title, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So you just it, everybody just calls it scarce. That's right. Um, and it's so great to have you guys uh, back on the show. Last, You guys, you were... A couple of the people who saved me when I was in the internet wilderness last year, uh, where I'm, I was doing shows on my dining room table with my, my cat run at my feet and then jumping <laughs> in my lap and getting on the keyboards and messing up the edits. Um, and, um, you know, I went out to watch Erlene wash buckets in a car wash. Uh, you're, you're, you're wincing. You shouldn't wince. That's actually very cool. Well, it's great to be back. It's uh, no, 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 go ahead. It's super great to be back. Thank you for having me today. And uh, yes, we're, we're officially moving back into the car wash soon. Oh, no, because you, really? you, you were trying to get a building where you could wash the buckets that you collect food yeah. scraps in and uh, because right. obviously they've got to be washed uh, when, right. when you dump out the stuff. We've been in a garage since uh, April, and I went to winterize it, and the city told me I was in the wrong zone. So I'm in lease negotiation. What? Yeah, I'm in lease, lease negotiations for... They didn't tell you that when you got the property? <laughs> I should have called them first, right? Oh, uh, my. So uh, it's amazing that, you know, there's the, these these kinds of things that you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. I want to wash buckets in my garage. Oh, no, you can't do that. That's that's not zone for washing buckets. Yeah, but I could do be Do they a actually ca- have a zone for washing buckets? I could be a car wash in <laughs> my garage, but I can't be a bucket washer in my garage. What? Because there's food? No, because I don't have any interaction with my customers at the garage. It's, so it's a what? commercial space. Yeah, because my customers don't come there. It's See, not- this, is, this is really interesting. See, this is uh, why we need people like you because you're blazing these kinds of trails, which is uh, who does this? And, you know, and, and the city's not prepared for this. I remember I, you know, three years ago, four years ago, when, back, back when I was at Progresso Radio, and we were talking about food kitchens. In Chicago, and the city health department was just horrible yeah. about that. They they didn't understand the concept of a shared kitchen. They came in and they the who was the woman? Um, and I'm not going to remember her name. Um, Zena? No. Um, I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah, Zena Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who uh, who got finally run out of her business on. Milwaukee, because they would come inspect her every month. She was getting, you know, 12, 14 inspections a year, which was insane. And, and, and she was doing things by the book, and they were claiming all kinds of things uh, because they didn't understand the concept with that we have a new and a slightly different food world and how that works. And so she said, I'm done. I'm out of here. I can't, I can't deal with this. And she sold it to uh, Kitchen or um, the Chicago Kitchen. Uh, which now runs the operation there. Um, and this is the same thing with you, Erlene. You're, you've got this business model that the city, uh, the dinosaurs there do not pos- cannot possibly wrap their heads around. Yeah, it's been an interesting thing because, you know, I started right when the law changed in Illinois that food scrap hauling was legal. And so, yeah, of course, they don't have it on the zoning books of where the container washing should be because who's looked at it in the last six years since it became legal you yeah. know nobody so but we're going into a light industrial space i'm in lease negotiations for that mm-hmm. i'm really excited to have that rolling 
and it's good space for us. Uh, I'm sorry, what, what, what space is this? It's a light industrial space. It's still in So you, you do have a place to go now. I'm working. I, I'm signing the lease <laughs> soon. But, but temporarily, we're going into our new, a new car wash. In in Evanston, but we'll keep oh, that. Well, but that's what she has to oh, do now. Go into a car. Do you have now? How do they react to it, or do, or do car washes not care? Well, they like my me paying the rent check. Yeah, especially <laughs> this time of the year. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because they're it's things slow slim. down for them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got that's the old video. This is the broccoli video that we've got. I, I, I just happened to look at the screen in the broccoli video. Yeah, you need to refresh. Oh, geez. No wonder I can't see even the, the fresh one. Uh, but, uh, Erlene, why don't you explain, you know, we kind of bypassed what exactly you do. We know you wash buckets in a car wash, <laughs> and you're having trouble getting zoned. Why is that? What? Get, tell us about the business. Yeah, so you know, we started uh, seven years ago. The light bulb went off for me that if foods – if uh, you know, separating your food scraps were easy, that more people would do it. I looked at the model of what was happening in the Chicagoland area, and we had com- we have commercial composting sites, and, um, and we have a lot of food scraps. So I decided to connect the dots by providing a clean container to my customers with each pickup and then taking their food scraps to the commercial composting site. Uh, it started with residential and... Ten months later, we were moving into a cargo van and working with restaurants and larger producers of food scraps. So, does does the line continue to go up? Are you getting more and more customers? We always get more customers, which has been. When I imagine when people find out about this service, they say, "Yes, I want. I want to be part of that." There are so many green-minded people. I mean, like when I first started, people did mm-hmm. not really know what I was talking about. But it's really getting to be where more people understand why it's important that we separate the food scrap. Uh, and it's important that we have businesses like this, and you're a trailblazer. You're, you've set up the model for this, at least in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, have you gotten wind of anybody else trying to do this since you started? Well, there's different models. I definitely have some competition. Nobody's doing it exactly like I do it, which <laughs> is nice. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of – I have my niche uh, – some of the bigger haulers call me the boutique compost hauler because of my. As an insult. <laughs> I don't know. I no. mean, I think they're a little. No? Think they're a little okay. threatened by my clean container every time <laughs> model that they're not going to wash the buckets yeah. for everybody. Uh huh. Um, and that brings us to Kay McKean from Scarce. Uh, and by the way, Deb. You guys worked together mm-hmm. on stuff oh, before? Plenty. You know, when we when Jen Walling and I wrote this law for food scrap composting, I mean, with the Illinois EPA, that was a long time ago. And then, bless her heart, getting it through. Um, Senator Steens, getting it I, through. I remember that. I had her on my show to well, talk about getting that through. It was yeah, a big deal. It was a really big deal. To get the food deal. Uh, scrap. And, 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 and has led to organizations like the Illinois Food Scrap Coalition. Right. And, and those, you know, and, and even... Um, the Illinois Recycling Association, which I have become recently become a board member on, um, is looking at the whole food right. scrap industry. Right. But getting the law passed was a real big change for people in Illinois. So first we had to get the law. Now you have to get the infrastructure. Exactly. And then you need the companies who are licensed and certified to compost the food scraps. Mm-hmm. And then we need to get people to purchase the food scrap amended compost because it's so much more nutrient rich but people don't I don't understand. know why anybody would not want to buy that compost that's we, the best stuff there is and for you your know, garden they, they kind of get things a little confused people are kind of used to that mushroom compost that's very salty actually the pH is not steady 
It's not balanced. It's like kind of all over the there place. There are a lot of issues with mushroom compost. But and here, it here's smells one. bad. Well, and, and, and some of, you know, I talk to uh, landscapers. I talk to scientists about it. And generally what they say is, yeah, you can use some of that. Don't, don't use it exclusively because you're going to have issues with your soil. But my feeling is why would you use that when you can have the other compost right. that comes from food scraps and all the organisms that come with that right. and the rich uh, nutrient base? And I think people, well, they walk past an office building and they smell that mushroom compost, and I think, I will never use compost. <laughs> and so when they smell the difference, we always bring a bucket with us of yeah. food scrap amended compost, and we put it here, smell it. And people are like, really? And then they go, oh, well, that doesn't smell bad. It doesn't smell acidic. It, it doesn't smell good. Bad. It smells and good. It smells good. Exactly. And so that's the big training thing is kind of letting people know that there's a really big difference between an acidy smell and something that's nutrient-rich and smells like earth. So we've, we've explained uh, Erlene's business. Yours is not a business, per se. It is a, an organization, a not-for-profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do more than just work in food scraps. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but you run the gamut <laughs> from collect. You started collecting books, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a wonderful thing to do. Uh, tell me about that and how that led to other things. You know, this is our 27th year. Oh, my wow. goodness. <laughs> Give her a ding. There we go. So it's kind of evolved. Um, it's, you know, every time you hear of a problem, then you just look for solutions. And when you hear teachers don't have books and you see in schools books being thrown out, you go, oh, well, here's a match. And so the book Rescue, we're over five and a half million books now. Chosen, wow. chosen by teachers and not-for-profits in 58 countries so I far. I still have boxes of books for you. Uh, and, and what kinds of books do you take? You know, we take any book. I mean, from children's books to textbooks. You know, people say, well, my biology books, my college biology book is 20 years old. Well, you know, biology hasn't changed that much. <laughs> yeah, but, but computer science has. Computer science has I mean, changed I bet by you, the minute. Yeah, right. you, so I bet those are not quite as valuable. as They're not. But at least we can get those recycled. So they uh-huh. still don't go to the landfill. Because I got a few of those, too, yes. that got dumped on me by somebody else, but I won't go into that. <laughs> I have boxes of books. You can have them. We Get would them love to have my them. basement. We have about four to 5,000 books a week wow. being chosen by teachers, orphanages, people building schools really? and libraries around the world. So right now we're That's in, encouraging, actually. It's very exciting. And, you know, they're learning from studies that kids actually say that they learn better with a book than in a computer which is interesting mm-hmm. how our brain works. Yeah. And so building, filling libraries around the world is like a way to help everybody move up. Education is always the key. So we save the trees, we don't make the pollution, and we help educate. Pretty cool. Wow. Uh, and then that, that led to other things. That I mean, led you guys, to teachers you... saying we don't have crayons, and we're going, What? <laughs> and so we started collecting crayons and sorting the whole crayons. And then we thought, well, the broken crayons are petroleum. And so we make super crayons for kids mm. with special needs. And then music teachers said, super crayon? Well, we melt down the broken crayons and we make them for special needs kids. We make really big so, crayons. Really big, yeah. Yep. And then we make crayons. We have an occupational therapist who actually takes a mold of kids' hands. And then we, one of our great volunteers, Sandy Bauer, she takes that mold and she will make prototypes and then the occupational therapist will try that with the kids and see which one works best some are just for motivating if you're in the hospital for a long time and with leukemia treatments or whatever figuring out how to color with a dinosaur it's not that you can't color but just a little diversion so we do a lot of can i give you a hint 
We yeah. don't we don't know what color dinosaurs really were. Exactly right. So we make <laughs> them purple with green dots and brown with purple dots, and we make them all different colors. <laughs> and we have cars and trucks, and we give them to um, nurses and so forth, and people working with Lurie's Children's Hospital and uh, Lutheran General Hospital, and then musical instruments. We are this year already. We've given away 112 musical instruments to schools where kids can't afford an instrument. So 112 instruments this year wow. so far. Yeah, you, you know, but when you were on my show a couple of years ago, you were trying to get sewing machines. We managed we, to, to yes. come up with a couple of sewing machines yes. from listeners. And we work with, we did. And now we're working with a group here in Chicago called Envision. And we got them eight sewing machines last month. Wow. They needed sewing machines, so they picked up eight from us. So we're really thrilled about that. Can, if we can save a resource and help somebody, but that's the thing is you do everything. You're willing to uh, <laughs> apparently you, if you you find a, a a situation where something's not being reused properly, you'll dive into it and we say will. we'll figure Absolutely. it out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How come you're not like running the country? Oh wait a second, we know who's running <laughs> wait the country. A minute. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. we all got depressed Sad. there for a second. Sad. Uh, I think <sighs> the biggest thing that we've had some really big changes this year, and one of them is uh, Jen Walling and I. We've done a lot of waste audits in schools. And, you know, if you don't have any teeth in first grade, it's pretty hard to eat an apple, so the kids throw the apple out. Mm-hmm. And the USDA in June signed a, sent out a document talking about share tables in schools. So if you go through the lunch line, you can put your apple on the share table because you can't eat it. Or the juice that's today is grape juice, and you don't really like grape juice. You can set it on the table. And so now we're helping schools set up share tables. And then if you're really hungry or grape juice is your favorite, then you can go and drink that grape juice. So we're decreasing garbage and getting more food to kids. That's wonderful. Jen Wallen is really quite the mm-hmm. magician, isn't she? She's yes. just something else that <laughs> yes. Illinois Environmental Council. Yeah. So, you know, we see we learned about it from our waste audits. And then she wrote the law. And now it's there that um, food, food service companies cannot have language in their contract that says food can't be donated. And so that food leftover can be donated first we're working on the easy food like apples eventually we'll work on the prepared food uh and and that that has always been a big deal i mean uh, folks who have wanted to donate food have faced all kinds of hurdles and hoops of fire the oh you know it's and and folks perception the public perception has always been well isn't that dangerous you could get a disease from from that you know and 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 you have the same ick factor with food scraps, don't you, Early? Right. Well, and I think it's really important that we pay attention to the Good Samaritan Act, that any food that is donated in good faith, the people who donate it cannot be held responsible for anything that happens with that food, as long as it's you know clean, healthy food when it's donated. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people don't know that. I think that they can be held accountable. But yes, Mike, you're right. The yuck factor is still a huge thing. It's you know, and I think that it's a holdover from when the waste industry said, once you take this food and you're not you're not eating your apple core anymore and you put in the garbage, it becomes toxic waste. Exactly. That, yeah. <laughs> that, what, that's the mentality we had. Yeah. And so, you know, we've done a lot of work to say this is a reusable resource. And what makes it so scary from it being in your mouth to now being in a container and then there's a lot of there's a lot of fear about having it in a separate container. I you know our model has so many benefits as far as not having pests, not having odors. We uh, were 
we have a great partner. We compost at 35 West Wacker, and they have uh, Catch 35. And, of course, that mm-hmm. big fish restaurant wanted me to come <laughs> in every single day to pull their containers. And they now, actually, we've created a system. We manage the waste there, and it stays for a week stays on their dock for a week with no problems. Wow. So, and, and nobody would believe that if you told them that you could do that. Yeah. Come, come with me for a visit. I, yeah. well, I want to go on, uh, yes. on one of your runs with you. I think that, and we'll take the live stream. Uh, we'll we'll take the go. Facebook live stream on a, on a run. Yeah. Well, and one of the problems when we wrote the law, we included all the meat scraps and turkey bones and things like that. And so people who compost at home, they know it's hard to compost meats, dairy kinds of products. Sure, yeah. So... They're learning a lot with the food scrap composting. You go in to do a workshop for a restaurant or a hotel, a school district. Oh, you can't compost meat. Oh, yeah, you can. Of course you can. And if you talk about The Lion King, they all saw that movie. And they remember (laughs) that, you know, the circle of life. And so we try to teach them that we need those amino acids. We need the proteins. We need the calcium. We need it all back to make a nutrient-rich vitamin for our soil. Mm-hmm. So is there residential education for those yes. of us with backyard composters yes. on meat and dairy and yes. fish? And- yeah, we do all kinds of workshops for backyard composting, and we're starting to do workshops for communities. So out in DuPage County, Naperville, Glen Ellen, mm-hmm. and Wheaton now have curbside food scrap composting. As does Highland Park. And, Highland and Park, we, we yes. We need to connect on getting a couple of workshops. Yeah. And as I've said, in Chicago, they... You, you can't even get your yard waste picked up. So right. we got a long way to go on the city. Yeah, but they have a lot the of key. sofas out there. Yeah. Education's sure. the key. you know. Yeah. So that's why we started a few years ago. We started the pumpkin composting mm-hmm. as a way to teach people that they wouldn't have to be worried about meat or bones. And you could teach them that they're full of water. And you could teach yeah. them that we don't want the candles inside. We don't want the plastic ears or the stickers. So with a fun project, we're teaching them no contaminants. Mm -hmm. And then that will be kind of like newspaper was the first thing you could recycle, right? And so, but take out the glossies, take out the color. Now, we're teaching them with pumpkins to take out the contaminants. And so you recently, on November 5th, you had your pumpkin yeah. collection. Yeah, and we just, we have about 10 towns still that That's we're waiting for That's kind of why I brought, numbers. oh, you were st- you're still waiting for the election wow. results we to have, come in. We have, yeah. Well, there so, was we have. by garbage cans this so week maybe, on my So maybe block, all so. of this will be reversed and we'll find out it was a bad dream. Okay. Uh, yeah, all, all that orange will just go away. <laughs> all that orange. We're at about 41 tons so far and we still wow. have 10 tons Give her a ding on that. 41. Now, what did you collect last year? 26 and a half tons. Oh, my goodness. So you're up to 41? And we still have 10 And this pounds. is just, uh, is this just pumpkins? Just pumpkins. Just Isn't that amazing? Pumpkins. Just to teach people, just to get it off the ground and teach people. I got, I got a bone to pick with the people who do the Recycle by City thing. And I, and I posted it on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. And they were saying, don't make a jack-o'-lantern out of your pumpkin because it won't get recycled. You're not. And I was like, What? 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 What are you talking about? Because I took mine when mm-hmm. they were done and they were collapsing and threw them in my compost pile. And a pumpkin is one of the things that's going to decompose quickly. It's 90% gonna, water. Yeah, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't understand what that was all about. They, you know, oh, I remember what the, what the point was. The point was, well, you should be cooking this yeah. pumpkin. And I'm like, no, if you, if you want to compost it, that's fine with me. I don't, I don't think you have to use every single 
bit of things that grow in the world to put in your stew pot, right. okay? Right. Sometimes you, yeah, it's okay to compost things. And it might yep. be better on some foods to compost. Yeah. Really, exactly, exactly. So, you know, the thing is, is, I think that people, if they can learn something in a fun way, it'll take the, they'll be willing to take the next step, mm-hmm. and we can reduce that yuck factor. I was really impressed with how many people, when they drove up with their pumpkins, said, now, what's going to happen to these pumpkins? How is this going to work? And so they're really interested in learning the next step, which I am grateful for. Uh, by the way, that is Kay McKean, who's the founder of Scarce out in DuPage County. If folks want to uh, take something out there, they can go to www.scarce.org. Uh, that's where, you know, you even finally got around to changing the, the URL, which oh, is... I know. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a tough one for a long time. We had some young kids help us. Yay! Yay! <laughs> How about those young kids? Uh, Erlene Howard from Collective Resource, Inc., uh, based in Evanston, but you cover a wide swath. We sure do. We go all the way north to Lake Bluff. We're in Northbrook and Glenview and come all the way down to 22nd Street in Chicago. You've expanded since I talked to you last. We have expanded. Yeah, that's great. And uh, you can go to collectiveresource.us. Because it's going to take all of us, Mike. Us. Us. Oh, All of us. It will. Yeah, we got we got a lot of work to do. Okay. Uh, so one of the reasons that, you know, Kay and I were going back about pumpkins earlier, and that's kind of why you're here, and I'm so happy to hear it's been so successful. You've got a lot of different suburbs involved. All the way. Edwardsville? All the way to wow. Edwardsville. All the way to the Community College of Lake County. So we are top to bottom of the state. And the Illinois Food Scrap Coalition has really helped get the word out because We've gotten calls from New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, California, wow. Indiana. This is something that is a fun way to teach. And park districts are having bowlings mm-hmm. and bozo buckets with the small pumpkins <laughs> and pumpkin launches. Pumpkin launch, exactly. Catapults. Love pumpkin launches. <laughs> Love them. And some are calling them pumpkin pitches. And I mean, we're getting what we're trying to do is collect a lot of the town's um, flyers and their pictures so that we'll have it on our website so the next town that wants to go with this can see other people's ideas. We love to bring in everybody's ideas. Who cares where they came from? Just share them and use what you can. That's how you make it happen. So in a a town like there's there's a town on the North Shore that has a huge pumpkin fest every year. Yes. Are you guys involved with that? Well, which town? Highwood. Highwood. So not this year, but we are working to You said get... that tentatively. Is this well, a, I was trying to avoid Because Highwood's going to have food scrap composting at the curb also. Yeah. Yeah, I think starting in the spring. So Highwood has a huge pumpkin fest every yes. year. People come out, carve their pumpkins. For about four years, they tried to win the Guinness World Record. <laughs> okay. Largest number of pumpkins carved. And th- they set up racks in town. It's, yes. it's a huge festival. But then... Where then did the what? pumpkins go? So we did this year. We worked with Cosley Park in Wheaton. They have a, they sell a lot of pumpkins, and we worked with some churches that sold pumpkins to raise money for the Pads organization. So everybody got a little tiny card, like a business card, that said, "When you're done with your pumpkin, check out this website." Because mm-hmm. I didn't know which town they were all going to be going to. It's nowhere to tinker pumpkin for recycling, so composting. So that's what we're trying to do now: is reach. It's taken a little while to get yeah. it going to this much, right across the state. Now we just need to start educating and contacting more. People carry on our team developed a little business card. So when you have trick-or-treaters come to your house with their candy, they got a little business card. 
take your pumpkins here for pumpkin mm-hmm. composting. So just getting the word out. A lot of schools are using it for a STEM event. You know, that's science, technology, mm-hmm. engineering, and math. We're saving water. We're reducing the greenhouse gases because it's not going to a landfill. We're making nutrient-rich vitamins for our soil without buying chemicals. So it's really kind of a, it's expanded and expanded. And so next year, this year already, we're starting. The date is yeah. November 4th, 2017, and we're starting to get the word out. Well, let, let's talk because I've got several people to connect you with. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Including an article next year in Natural Awakenings. Let's do it. <laughs> um, now, we've got about 10 minutes left. And, and, and one of the things that I wrote about on my blog is that we're going to have a little Recycling 101 uh, class here okay. with, with the two of you in the studio. Uh, the reason Erlene is here, uh, you know, the reason you're here, Kay, is because you said, hey, we got to talk about pumpkins and, and cooking co- oil. And cooking oil. And we'll mm-hmm. do that in a second. Because we did last year, and I said, yes, let's, let's follow up on the pumpkins. I kind of wish we had done this before uh, Thanksgiving, but, uh, or rather, um, not Thanksgiving, but uh, Halloween. But that's okay, you know, because you, you've got the numbers and we're going to push it forward for next year. But the reason Erlene is here is because I saw her at the Chicago Wilderness Congress. And she and you'll see the photo. Have you, have you been to the blog? I've got the photo of you sitting there smiling as the I people saw come. It, yeah. yeah. Um, and she was in charge of the food scraps and the composting and the recycling of the food uh, materials uh, at uh, the Congress. And you could watch people be confused as they came in. And these are the greenies, okay? Mm-hmm. These are the people who are supposed to know what's going on. And you sit there early, and, and you have to tell them like they're six-year-olds where everything goes. What? Why? Why, why can't we get even past that? Well, I think that there's – I mean, just like every industry, people are trying to um, – make money and so what's happening with our compostable products is they're they're now getting look-alike products that are being made that are not compostable and you're, you're talking about utensils here right mo- mostly the utensils mostly it, yeah yeah it's come to the point that we don't want any of the plant-based utensils because there are so, there's so much greenwashing around it where i mean you'll flip it over and you'll see it says compostable and then you look little bit more closely and right in front of it it says non so it's saying non-compostable so if you're looking for that word compost on that you're going to find it what we ran into at the congress unfortunately was forks that said made with plant material not 100 percent plant material not (laughs) just made you know greenwashing it was it's greenwashing yeah and so they're intentionally trying to confuse people. We we run into it with, um, you know, coffee cups that have trees on them that look like you should be putting them in the recycling bin or that they're compostable. And, you know, all of the coffee cups um, either are lined with plastic, petroleum plastic, or they're lined with PLA. So if they're lined with PLA and they're, it's written on them that they're compostable, then we can put them in the compost right. pile. Um, but... No cup, no coffee cup can go into the recycling bin. It's paper covered with plastic, and it needs to go into the landfill. And, and the problem is places like, and I'm going to name Starbucks because they sell so much, 
they are the, one of the chief offenders because they will say, hey, these are compostable. We're going to take care of this problem. Well, they haven't taken care of the problem. Well, and it's interesting because when in the locations where they're in court, food courts and stuff where everything is being composted, they're providing compostable cups. But in the general public, they are not taking that extra step. And they are definitely an industry that could be doing it. And one of the extra steps is when you come to the Starbucks, why doesn't the barista say, and would you like a reusable cup today? They'd never ask you that. They'll ask you if you want to buy a bag of beans, but they won't Mm. ask you, would you like to use a reusable cup? And the other thing that somebody wrote someplace, and I was blown away by it, even their reusable cups, they, they model them so they look like throwaway cups. Yeah. It's like we're afraid to even admit that we might use something like this and drink coffee out of it. And I've got my reusable cup, and so does uh, Peggy. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Something but, you know, people can ask, though. You know, I think that's where the consumer – I always say consumers vote with their money. So if we go and we ask for reusable or fill my cup or, you know what, when are you guys going to move forward, I think we're really powerful with where we shop. And I think if we ask and if we say, how come you guys aren't? And if enough people do, you know, every single company has a, a computer website, they have a comments site. What if we emailed and how many people would it take to email any company to say certainly now more and more companies have heard from the public that they want free-range chicken and they want antibiotic-free chicken and they want uh, free-range eggs and real free-range, not the greenwash free-range eggs. So, you know, when, when consumers ask and when they make comments, we can really make change. And so let's put your – if you care about the environment – Let's put our money at the companies who are helping us care about the environment. And let's send kind comments. We don't have to send nasty comments. Let's send kind comments that say, I really like your – I don't drink coffee. I'm hyper all by myself. But, (laughs) you know, what if we send a little comment and say, I like your tea. I like your coffee. But, geesh, could you make that next Mm -hmm. step? I'd be willing to pay five cents more to be able to do the right thing. Uh, well, but, and, oh, oh, well I, I'm 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 on the opposite side of that. Though, sorry, Peggy, didn't mean to interrupt you, okay. but I'll let you go. But um, you know, when I walk in with this cup, yeah. um, they give me a discount. And my that's feeling, best. my yeah, but my feeling is you don't give me enough of a discount because there's only one to two percent of people who use these in those stores, uh, and you're giving me a dime off. You should be giving me like 50 cents, a dollar off because I bring this because you don't have to make a paper cup because I bring this in. It, it saves you money ultimately. Right. That's yeah. the way I feel. And, that's, and if you want to really encourage people, it's like I say with the plastic bag ban, it's like make it a buck when you get a plastic bag at a store. You want to see behavior change quickly? Mm-hmm. That's going to change. Yep. Yeah. I really I want to circle a little bit back to um, – you know, some of the restaurants that I work with are really trying to do the right thing, 100% every time trying to buy the compostable product. And then the company that they're buying the soup bowl from changes the lid on the soup bowl 
from a compostable lid yep, to yep. a number six plastic lid that looks exactly like the compostable mm-hmm. lid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I am in constant training with our crew about what's compostable and what's and not. And you're the pros, and that's the problem, is that if the pros are having a hard time keeping up, the average citizen is lost. It's, uh, it's hopeless for and them. And so are the businesses, because the businesses, they're running their business. They're trying to trust their buyer, where they buy from, right? That you've heard my wishes, this is what I want. And sometimes when we talk to the companies that sell these things, they're not really even aware that something changed. It looks the same to them. How, why would anybody change it? So it's a lot of education that has to happen, a lot of education. Yeah, it, and supply chain, it gets really difficult yes, too. Because exactly. then you're controlling five down the line yes. what came in. Yes, right. exactly. And, and the compostable plastics are... Um, are combined with the number sevens, which is just another category, just because it's another seven doesn't mean it's compostable. And I'd really like to see number eight be created for the compostables. (laughs) And I like it mostly because we can say, the earth ate it. (laughs) And I would love for that to become the the motto, that if it's a number eight, that we we can feed the earth with... There is a number eight, actually. An industrial number eight. Is there really? Yeah, there's Supposed an industrial number eleven. Yeah, but I like, but I like the yeah, the idea. Yeah, I like the idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is so a number we need 11. our we need our own number. Is really what I'm looking for. And I think that it, the other part of the regulation is every number has to be big enough for everybody to read. You know, I mean, it's crazy <laughs> that you know it's like what the heck is that? You know, is it one? Is it a seven? Does it go into the recycling bin? Could it possibly be compostable? You know, um, yeah, so I think that the manufacturers need to be held more accountable to um, making it clearer for the consumer. Well, the point I was going to make a little earlier, because it ties into this as well, is the whole just educating Um, the workers, the staff, the employees. I right. walk into my local McDonald's. I kind of have them finally trained. Mm-hmm. You, 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 we, we, we talk, we do these stories here where she'll go in with her cup and she'll say, fill this up, and they'll, and they'll take out a paper cup and fill it and then pour it into it. And she's, no, 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 oh, that's not – you, you're, you're unclear of the concept here when yeah. you do that. Right. And I've seen that. And I've done that at, at grocery stores buying fish, all right? And I say, please don't – no polystyrene, uh, no right. no styrofoam. Just wrap it in paper, and they weigh it in the polystyrene. Throw <laughs> that away, and then wrap it in the paper for me. And I go, no, process. do not do that. Right. Yeah. Um, That's the process. And quite often, you've got a staff who they don't know anything about recycling. They've right. never recycled anything. It's That's not right. part of the corporate culture. So just to expect them to jump in and do it is there's and training. When, and when you go to the fast food, a lot of times they throw in that spork and the napkin and a straw all wrapped in, in plastic yep you're taking it home who well, cares yeah, that it winds up in lunch but yeah if you use that stuff because well they should again, in there. again the education has to be yes. ask the consumer do they want this i go to stores now with my reusable bag okay i buy a bottle of wine they're putting it in paper and i go no don't put that in paper. I don't want your paper. I don't want any of your containers. I brought my own, own containers. Container. Yeah. And this is, they've, they've got to stop training mm-hmm. their people to do that automatically. This is yes. wrong. Yeah, holiday yeah. gifts. You go to the store from, from now through the holidays and everything is like wrapped in pretty tissue and a ribbon and a fancy bag. And it's like, you tell them no and 
and they're kind of they're well, you know, and I found out something about that. I found out that you know we like big here in America, so mm-hmm. you can buy th- six little juice glasses, and they're going to wrap each glass in like three pages of tissue, put it in a huge <laughs> bag, and then they're going to put tissue sticking up out of the top of the bag. To make it look like you bought something bigger than it is, mm-hmm. it's like stop. Right. You know, I almost think some of that goes back to I'm thinking of like Hollywood movies from the 30s yes. and 40s, and yes. it just looks elegant. Elegant, yes. And so, yeah, we've got to make some. Ch- but again, we need to say stop. Right. Uh, you know, the consumer does need to step up. Uh, the problem is when I go again, busting Starbucks here. When I say, uh, why don't you guys encourage people to use? reusable containers they look at me like why are you wasting my time mm-hmm. they they get they get a little tense about that or if i say you know you don't you don't really give me enough of a discount on this coffee cup because nobody else is doing it so the people who do should actually get rewarded better uh right. and then they look at you like would you just move on please so it's it's hard because it, it, because then you you feel like a crank you walk you walk out of the store feeling bad like oh you're the cranky person uh, when all it is is you're trying to do the right thing in your own mind and stop the, the ridiculous consumption of our natural resources. So that's why I think it's really cool. So when you do email the major corporations, because the guy or the person at the window, you know, they've been taught to kind of robot put this in, do this, and do that. And so now you're kind of the... Uh oh! Now what? You know, <laughs> this doesn't fit. Yeah, you affected my cost per serving. There you go. Wow! And I so just got a tweet from Casey Tomato who said, "I learned somewhat a sack of a, a bag when you go out of a store, so they won't be accused of stealing." Seriously, that happens. Yes, I guess you know. Well, get over it if yes. you're the store or or the person. Really, I mean, if everybody brought their own sacks, nobody would worry about that. Okay? I bring. I hold. Oftentimes, when I don't need a bag, even though I've brought one, I'll just hold the receipt. With the one thing that I bought, so mm-hmm. that when I'm walking yeah, out, they can exactly. see yeah. the receipt. Just like at the Costco. Okay, check it off. Okay, I'm out of here. So, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, we uh, we really didn't get the the recycling 101, but we brought up the philosophy behind it right. here. I mean, earlier we talked uh, with uh, Mary Ellen Croteau about her using caps for right. her and and how to recycle bottle caps, um, and it's hard to reuse them. To re- you know. Uh, and now all the companies want them back now, so leave them on your bottles. Finish. Well, they, yeah, but 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 they have there are different kinds of bottles. But yeah, probably the best thing you can do now is to leave the bottle cap on a plastic bottle, yep, a pl- the, plastic cap on a plastic bottle. But the you've technology got, has improved. Even the even the metal lids on the glass bottles. Really, the technology has improved so much. Mechanical engineering, industrial engineering, it's all improved so much. Put your cap back on. And this is a whole new. Learning learning curve that we have to get. You know, we t- we tell people something for ten years and then we switch it out on them, yeah. and then they got to relearn. That. It's hard, you know. But it's exciting. Up, uh, I guess it's exciting because we're moving forward. Uh, I guess we are. By the way, I'm uh, uh, Annie Haven in California says waving to all the uh, Mike Novak fabulous Green Garden Radio Show ninety degree November days have me in the pastures harvesting. Well, that's in California, <laughs> not so much here. It's 50s here or 40s today. It's a, a little cooler. Uh, Erlene Howard and Kay McKean, thank you so much. It's so good having you here. Uh, we, we, we could do this all day. This oh, yes. Is, we we got to do a conference. You know what? I'm Kathleen mentioned this to me, uh, Peggy. She wants us to do a conference, you and me, the Mike Novak Show Conference. Perfect. And talk Let's about the things that we talk about, and you two will be part of that. If if we do, do it. it because uh, and and we could bring in Rick, uh, Rick DeMaio mm-hmm. 
uh, to talk a little climate uh, change, and and uh, we could fill, uh, I don't know, we could we could fill a big uh, hall somewhere and create all kinds of waste. Except someone else to, besides me doing the live stream. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll get the intern to handle that. Where, where, where's, where's our intern? George! Where, George! Where, where's George? Uh, where he's gone to school. Hey, Mike, I just want to say thank you so much for bringing me on and bringing the composting onto the forefront and having this conversation today. It's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, and, well, uh, let me remind folks, they go to my website, mikenovak.net, go to my blog. The links to both of your organizations are there if people want to, you know, get their uh, food scraps collected. And if, get if, their cooking oil collected oh, after yeah. Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Yes. Check our website real out quick, for what, all the real towns. Real quick, what's 30 seconds. Tell me about we that. We have seven permanent locations. Uh, we're working to get more permanent, and we have some one-time collections. Every time we recycle that cooking oil, we reduce uh, our impact on climate change, and we make a biofuel that burns 38% cleaner um, than petroleum fuel. So it'll be on our website. We're working with a lot of different towns. We're very excited about it. Great. See? We even got that in. We got Yay. We, Okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll so do much. it again. You guys are going to be on the show again soon. We got uh, something. Let's plan that conference. All right. I'm I like ready. the idea for I'm 2017. Ready. Okay. What have I told you? that you could grow practically anything indoors with a revolutionary grow light that is available for a revolutionary price. Welcome to Happy Leaf LED. I bet you guys don't know about this. They were on the show recently. It's a commercial quality LED grow light that's designed for you and me and everybody listening. Lightweight, uncomplicated, no fans, no motors, just plug it in. And it's long-lasting with a 50,000-hour minimum lifespan. Sure, you can use it for seed starting. It's a powerhouse producing three flats of seeds with one light. But why stop there? This all-purpose LED with precisely tuned red and blue spectrums allows the full range of plant growth. The Direct Gardening Association has already given Happy Leaf LED their 2017 Green Thumb Award. And it's made in the USA. I've seen it work. I've gone out to the the, the, the LED, the green thumb, I'm sorry, the Happy Leaf folks out in Oregon, Illinois. Uh, I have a couple of the lights myself. I've got one. uh, It would make a great holiday gift for the gardener in your life or for yourself. Go to happyleafled.com for complete kits that will get you up and growing in a matter of minutes. In three to four weeks, you'll be harvesting greens. Happy Leaf LED, it's about the light. Rick DeMaio weather coming up in just a sec. Trying to weather the housing market? Consider replacing your windows and siding. Remodeling Magazine says they're some of the nation's most popular projects today. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for all your remodeling and energy needs. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. Did you know Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? Hi, I'm Peggy, and I know this is true because for six years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you do need to get your business in front of our readers. 
Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicagoland who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga instructors, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. This is Mike Novak for Chicago Wilderness in my own Logan Square Wilderness. You can friend a person on social media, but how do you friend a native plant or animal that is in danger of going extinct, like the monarch butterfly or Blanding's turtle or the little brown bat? 12 Animals in 12 Weeks is a campaign to support critical species and their habitats in our region. Friend an animal species today. Go to chicagowilderness.org species. Have you noticed a theme in the music today? What happened to Yoko? We're going to play the... Oh, yeah. Oh, All right. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts so bad. That's uh, the theme of that. Mr. DeMaio, are you there with us? I am here with you. I'm going to play something for you let's see i think i've got it up here yeah i do this uh i uh, i don't know who showed it to me did you show it to me yeah i Peggy? sent it to you yesterday off off of her facebook page this is yoko ono did you see that by any chance rick uh no all right this didn't is this this is yoko ono's reaction to the uh presidential election uh, on what, tuesday what was it was it singing, yelling, screaming all at once, which all sounds like the same thing for her? I'll just play it for you, and you can you can judge for yourself. I think I think it's time for the uh, two a.m. feeding. <laughs> yes, but that was Yoko's response to the election. I, I happen to agree Ooh. with it. I think it's kind of spot on there. So, uh. yeah, yeah, it it, it it certainly hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, and you know what's interesting though, because. Uh, you and I exchange emails earlier in the week. A lot of people are mm-hmm. out there saying, well, we don't know what's going to happen, and uh, things are uh, still be determined, and folks uh, are going to be affected by this at some point. You've already been affected by it. You told me that yeah. you had to go into class and yeah. <laughs> deal with issues that are now kind of up in the air. I mean, I mean, what were you talking about yeah. there, Rick? Well, we're talking to my um, uh, climate change class at Loyola, Loyola University, 
um, also uh, at Lewis University, talking to these kids about the environmental science class that I teach. And, you know, we're, we're actually doing a chapter this week on politics uh, and policy and, and climate change. And I felt like I was standing on quicksand, you know, trying to talk about the Paris Agreement and the IPCC. We just happened to be getting, you know, to that part of the um, semester. And they're all looking at me going, to some degree, like, what's the point? (laughs) And especially when I'm I'm showing them this frontline documentary that's talking about how the the successful campaign of of myths and disinformation headed by Myron Abel uh, back in 2012, um, you know, headed off a lot of the things that the Obama administration was trying to do. And who pops up three minutes into the movie is Myron Abel. And then one of the students says, yeah, it was just named that he was going to be the transition leader of the um, <clears throat> Trump's ETA. And then you look in the New York Times, an excellent article written by Coral Davenport, um, and it talks about all the things that Myron Abel has done and what he's in favor of and all the things that he is expected to do in the Trump administration. And they're all completely a 180 to what the Obama administration has on on plan, as well as the Paris Agreement, as well as the IPCC. And, but Mike, the most disconcerting thing is that it's also against a lot of people who are in the energy industry, whether you're a Republican or Democrat. It, it makes no sense, both fiscally and, you know, um, environmentally. It, it's, it's really, it's really quite sad. Uh, and I and, and I, I was just struck by the idea that uh, you were so immediately affected oh. by by this uh, decision on Tuesday. Yeah, well, yeah. Wednesday morning, I woke up at a nine o'clock class. Literally, kids were coming into the classroom crying. Really, women were women were were literally crying. They they said I have one one student who's from. Uh, Palestine. She's a Muslim, and on her face was spelt the word Muslim. And she's like, at one point, she goes, "You know what? I really don't want to talk about this anymore." And I go, "Okay, we can move on with the lesson." And then during the break, she, you know, ushered me off to the side. She goes, "Look, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to be disruptive and to be divisive to tell you to stop talking." I go, "No, this is this is something we need to talk about." And sure enough, we got right back into it. You know, right after the break, I mean, people. And these students needed to be heard because remember, these are kids who are away from home. You know, they're surrounded by it from all sides, being you know amongst other fellow students. But at the same time, they're so immersed in it because this is what you're doing as a, as a kid or as a student. You're you're learning about it and you're hearing about it, but you're not you're not hearing about it from newspapers and polls and cable TV. You're hearing about it through a classroom discussion, which usually is the best way to learn, right? Some form of, you know, practicum where where there's back and forth and there's discussion. And then this happens and they all looked at me like they like literally like, How did this happen? And I and I and I told the guys in the class, I go, For you men, you gotta realize this is twice as hard for the women. Um, A, this man was elected who basically came out and called women all these names. And lost. And then, B, we had a chance to elect 
a pretty decent, you know, woman to the presidency, not the best candidate or not the best run campaign, but the women lost on, on both ends here. And I needed to have to say that so the guys could be a little bit more empathetic towards that. Yeah, I, so, I, yeah, it was, it, was, it was tough for me both personally and professionally. And uh, at the same time, I actually had to be their parents for an hour or two. Yeah, you have a real responsibility to those kids yeah. in coming in there. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But I don't think I've ever seen, you know, people actually openly weeping and saying, how did this happen? And then we talked about it because these were kids who were all Bernie Sanders supporters, Mike. There was a huge grassroots effort. And, you know, the, the, the number of schools I teach at, Mike, I was blown away by how many college kids were for Bernie Sanders. And I, and I would say, I go, really? Even my son. I go, but he's got great ideas, but he will not be able to be present. He's too far left. He's, he's too connected to, quote, socialism. It won't work. But what Hillary, I think, really missed the boat on and her advisors as well, <clears throat> they, they missed the boat that, you know, Bernie won Wisconsin, Bernie won Michigan, Bernie won West Virginia on the same platform that Donald Trump ran on, which was how he was going to get blue-collar, you know, rural, not so much um, uneducated, but, you know, if you want to call it soft minds, you know, people who are easily impressed, and you can say that college students are that way because they're not completely educated, nor do they have a, a vast, you know, historical, you know, backdrop to, you know, be able to compare things with, you know, college students, they're one, one, one or the other. But the Bernie vote, if Hillary would, would have, I think, latched on to or latched on to rather him and, and those supporters and even maybe named him vice president or candidate because – you know, I'll be honest with you, Tim Kaine was milk toast to me. I was never really excited. By I him. was not excited by him either, to tell you the truth. Yeah, uh, um, and, and I mentioned that to my friend in, in, in Charleston, who's a Republican. He goes, well, he's next in line because he's a big supporter of the Clintons. And I think that's what happens when you get into that, that, that stage of her life. You know, she was an established politician. And quite frankly, the, the media, you know, basically went against objective reporting and really didn't get into the weeds on who are these Trump supporters. And they basically looked at them and, well, they're, they're hickabilly rednecks from the rural areas who are not that educated. We don't need to talk about them. And, and they blew it from that standpoint. Well, and they blew it from a, a, a lot of standpoints, Rick. It was the, the media coverage. I mean, if I were the media, I am the media. I'm part of the media. Right. But, but yeah. you know, if I were these major networks, I would shut down for six months and retool. I would just say right. we're we're, go, we're going we're we're going off the air for six months. Right. We we completely right. blew it. We have no idea, obviously, what we're doing. We're paying these people a lot of money to to yeah. to, to help enlighten you, and they failed miserably in their job. So we, yeah. you know, like yeah. an automobile company that is coming out with a new model, we need to shut down and completely retool. Right. We'll see you in yeah. six months. Yeah, because I had all these students and and Mike. I, you know, it was it was over a three day period. They all said to me, "But the media told us it was going to be a four point victory," and I'm like, "Yeah, how does that make you feel?" They felt betrayed. They felt betrayed. And when was the last time you heard a college mm-hmm. student say that? They go, "I feel like I can trust nobody," and and at the same time, 
these are the kids who, you know, grew up through 9-11. And now this, the amount of burden yeah. and anxiety that they have is just, it's overwhelming. It, 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 it blows away the, you know, the, the, I think the trials and troubles that, you know, maybe the kids from the 60s probably is about as close as it gets. But any other generation, they're dealing with a lot. And, and then now, you know, what do they do? My son, who was actually at the Trump protest the other day, he said, Dad, I'm down here. I'm like, good. He goes, do you think it's a waste of time? I go, well, it would have been nice if this would have happened two weeks ago, and it probably would have if the networks would have been saying Trump by 4%. But what happens at these rallies is people bond, they connect, they, they, they say, hey, I'll talk to you next month, I'll talk to you in six months. So there is some good that comes out of it. I can understand how people go, oh, what's the point now? But we've already heard, you know, Trump going back on some of the things with the Affordable Health Care Act and, um, you know, a couple of other things. The fact that he's even considering Sarah Palin for the Secretary of the Interior, it's just like a complete joke. It's almost funny at that point. Mm-hmm. And this is where the media, like you said, if they're going to go back and retool, start asking tough questions. Start, start, start asking any up. questions at all. I mean, this uh, Kellyanne Conway right. would go on these programs, and she would just be firing off talking points, and all right. the, the talking heads next to her would just be nodding right. and, and, and not challenging right. her on anything. Right, and, and then she would finish with a smile and a blah, 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 and that's how he's going to do it. And you're sitting there at home going, she didn't answer the question, you know? And, 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 wasn't, and wasn't required to. Okay, and and that's part of the problem, and they never were. So, all right, well, um, there's actually news going on today. We, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, Rick. There was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake uh, in New Zealand. Um, and it no, ha- I did not. Um, yeah, I, I did not see that. They're saying it, it, it has also triggered a tsunami. Um, oh, brother. Yeah. Oh, brother. And yeah. now I, I am, um, uh, I think as you saw in the picture, I'm, I'm in New York City today. Um, I know you got to get going, but I'm here for my 30th, 5th high school union, which went well yesterday, and I'm, I'm literally standing on the edge of the East River in Long Island City looking across at the U.N. <laughs> building, so there is some hope in the world, Mike. I, I guess so. Um, let's see. Um, so since you don't have it, I'll, I'll give you some information here. Uh, this is from CNN, another one of those uh, uh, networks that let us down, but this is what I clicked on, on, mm-hmm. uh, on online here. Um, they say a powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake has jolted New Zealand's South Island and triggered a tsunami. Oh, and of course it just... Uh, it struck around 50 kilometers or 30 miles northeast of the city of Christchurch just after midnight local time um, and has triggered waves. And there's no immediate reports of casualties because they said it's too early to see what the damage is. So. Yeah, the, the South Island is probably the best area you want an earthquake because the tsunami would then emanate southward. If it was on the North Island, it would go west towards um, Australia, hitting places like Brisbane, Melbourne, and, and Sydney. So the South Island is probably the better place for it to be, but uh, a 7.8, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty strong earthquake. Yeah, <laughs> it the, is. The, yeah, the question is whether or not it was, it was really deep. If it was shallow... And obviously that energy gets to the surface, you know, with the S waves and P waves a lot faster. It was deep. Um, you know, that's another story. But tsunamis can occur deep or shallow. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that over the next hour or two. There's a pretty good network of warning systems. So they should be able to help those people out if something does develop. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, it says in 2011 they'd had a 6.3. So they've really beefed up their warnings. Oh, 
Yeah, that's and a seven point eight is not one point five bigger than a six point three. It's almost a thousand times. It's actually a logarithmic scale. So right. It's pretty substantial stuff. Yeah. Uh, but real quick before we go, um, beautiful today. Uh, still nice tomorrow. We're running nearly ten degrees above average for the month. Um, and we just finished the fourth warmest October on record. Uh, <laughs> and if we had more time, I'll, I'll fill you on, on a number of discussions back and forth at my high school reunion last night. It was, it was very interesting. Eighty percent of New Yorkers despise Trump, oddly enough. Isn't that um, interesting? But you'll get your 20% of that, that support, and then yeah. I had some very interesting conversations on that. So we'll do that another time. Well, we'll do that another time, but... Um... Are we, uh, how are we, it looks like uh, we're going to uh, head into colder weather next week is what I'm hearing. Yeah, next next week, probably next Wednesday or Thursday. Um, not this week, but next week. So you're, you're still talking probably 10 days from now. The pattern begins to shift a little bit. There's a very, very large area of very cold air over eastern Russia um, into the northwestern part of the Pacific Ocean. And that should begin to change our pattern. Um, but usually what happens in advance of those, you get these these pushes of mild weather. So um, there's a big storm system expected to come across the northern plains on Thursday. Uh, so Thursday, I wouldn't be surprised if we had winds out of the south of 40 miles an hour, uh, temperatures in the mid-60s, maybe a squall line of severe weather. You know, it almost looks so similar to what we had around here in 2012 with that massive Washington, Illinois outbreak. Um, not thinking it's going to be that. It's still kind of days away, but... Very windy, very warm um, with that. And then much cooler weather for next weekend. But the real, real cool stuff doesn't lock in until probably maybe around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so dry weather through Wednesday and then showers and heavy thunderstorms on Thursday. And it's going to feel like uh, September and November again. Wow. This just for a day, yeah, for, for a day. yeah, for a, for a day, yeah. I remember that uh, that date uh, in 2012 because yeah, you you were on Monday. the sh- you were on the show that morning, and didn't you end up at a football game or something that day? <laughs> I I walked in the Soldier Field going, what the heck am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you were going to get trapped, and everybody had to they had to go out of the stands and go uh, below, yeah, didn't they? they? Said, please leave, please leave where? It's <laughs> <Just>, like over <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, oh, that my... wasn't. <laughs> That wasn't very comforting. Uh, um, no, but I, I would, I would take that discomfort nine times over what what I'm feeling right now. And I think we all feel the same way. It's, it's pretty lousy, uh, but I think it realize makes us realize that we got to work that much harder over the long term to, you know, not to shift, but just to do things in a little bit more civil and, you know, uh, dignified way. I was talking to this guy last night, and he said, "Well, the country is not ready for a change." I'm like, "Fine." But not this way. <laughs> there's, there's different ways of doing things. That this way is not the way. And uh, he still didn't get. He still didn't get it. And I had a long time trying to, you know, convince him the other way. And um, so I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I, I know. I know for one thing, the next three weeks or four weeks of teaching are probably going to be some of the hardest I've ever had to endure. Oh, I can't even imagine yeah. trying to do that. It's, you know. It's tough. I, I got to retread. But you know what? A good teacher it never stops being a student. So I got a lot of studying to do. But you know, we all have to do that too. It's it's uh, in 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 a oh, way. Yeah. You know, those certainly in our realm. Um, I've got a couple of meetings this week that are environmental meetings, um, and you're tempted to just throw your hands up in the air. And, and as your right. your students did, and say, "Well, what's the point?" Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you can't. Yeah, you I, really can't do no. that. No. 
No, you no, you can't. And you know, I, I think we can probably relate to what happened in '68 when, you know, Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy were killed in a matter of months. It was like, oh my God, we've been we've been trying all this stuff, and you know, we still got the the guy with the funny nose, you know, elected into the White House, and and then it happened again in '72, and then he had his comeuppance, and then we had our chance, and then that went away, and then we finally had our chance, and we kind of held on to it, and we finally had our chance again, and. You know, I'm talking about Obama. We made the best of it. So it's making the best of what you have and realizing that um, it's a big country with a lot of a lot of people. And sometimes you may not like the other side, but you got to listen to them. You got to hear them. You know, and and I think sometimes if you live in a vacuum, um, as we all did with this election, in the end, not only do you do get sucked in, but it it, it ends up sucking. Ooh, I, I, I like that. <laughs> you get sucked in and it ends up sucking. You know, that, and actually, uh, something I heard, I think, yesterday, I don't even remember where it was, and maybe I read it, um, was somebody said that the Trump supporters um, didn't take him literally, but they took him seriously, where the media didn't, right, didn't right, the, exactly. where the, but the media didn't take him uh, seriously, seriously, but they took him literally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even this guy was talking last night. He goes, "Oh, I support him, but I know that he's not going to build a wall, and I know he's not going to deport all these immigrants." I'm like, "Yeah, but that's what he was campaigning." I goes, "Yeah, but we know that that's not that's not what he's going to really do." And I'm looking. I'm like, "Why the hell did you vote for him?" Oh, because he's going to make America great again. He's going to he's going to make make China do things differently. I'm like, he goes, he's going to he's going to forge these plans. I'm like, we already have those agreements in place. It's called the Paris Agreement and the IPCC. And he looked at me like, really? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, but he'll go in there and he'll make them better. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And, you know, when you're at a reunion talking to old friends, you want it to be cordial. But I was ready to throw my beer at him. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, a, it's a tough week to have a, a, a high school yeah, reunion. I think it's a little too raw now to be cordial. It is. Sorry. It is a well, yeah. Well, well, okay. Oh, that's okay. That's New York City. I love it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm out here in Lyon City. I'm actually on the on the same road, Vernon Boulevard, that the New York City Marathon came right down last week. Hmm. So it came right down the street. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool area. And if you want to look up, it's called Gantry State Park Plaza. They literally took the entire area of the East River for almost three miles, which was a cesspool, part of the Superfund actually back in the 70s, and they completely transformed it into a uh, riverfront walkway and park, and it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. It took almost 20 years, but it's amazing what happens when you get, you know, you know, minds of the same like behind a project, and it, it turned an area that was once dead back into, you know, being alive, and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And, well, so, except uh, that, it, you know, it, it's good when people understand that the, the health of our earth is uh, important. And so we need to keep stressing that for folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll, right. I'll leave you on that as another fire engine from down the street. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see you. I'll talk to you next week, Rick. Safe Goodbye. travels. Okay, sounds good. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Live on the street, our man Rick DeMaio. Live, live, live from New York City. Uh, it's okay. Rick DeMaio. Okay. okay. I got a text from... Uh, Mr. Cowgill, Rod Cowgill from Mighty House on Progresso Radio, MightyHouse.net. Where do I fill up my truck? I think he was talking about the uh, vegetable oil 
um, yes. fuel uh, from that conversation. I don't know yet, Ron. Okay, I have I have no idea. Uh, but as soon as I know, I'll you know I'll talk to Kay. We'll figure out where we'll get it posted. We'll where you can do that. Okay, I think uh, we got anything else. Just remind people Wednesday morning uh, to tune in to Facebook live. Live. Uh, uh, we we're like ninety percent sure we'll be streaming it live on the Mike Novak Show Facebook page. Pretty sure we're not absolutely positive, but for sure it will be on Food Tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're trying to get it streamed live on the Mike Novak Show on Facebook, and it will be from 9 a.m. till about eh, 12.30. Yeah, and there's two streams. There's the live stream where you can watch the entire proceedings of the summit, but this is the Food Tank Facebook interviews that Mike's going to be doing, uh-huh. and that's what we're going to be trying to stream. On Wednesday, I hope, uh, you know, at the very least, you can see me streamed live on Facebook on Food Tank, uh, the Facebook uh, Food Tank Facebook page. Uh, but uh, probably we'll let you know. We'll we'll post it on Mike Novak, the Mike Novak show on Facebook and wherever else we can on Twitter and so forth. So, OK, are we are we done here? I think we're done. So we do. I just uh, hit this button. OK, I want to thank everybody on the show today, including Roger Thoreau and Danielle Nirenberg from Food Tank and. Kay McKean and Erlene Howard. Kay McKean from Scarce, Erlene Howard from Collective Resource, Inc. And, of course, our artist and agitator, <laughs> Mary Ellen Croteau and her bottle cap art. And uh, our man on the street in New York, Rick DeMille. And our man on the street in Rick DeMille. Hey, life goes on, folks. Put one foot in front of the other. Go green or go home. Stadler? Oh, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.